0: Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. GBC is a non-denominational church in Flint, Michigan, and our mission is simple, to love God, love people, and love life. I know that you will be blessed by the message and the words that God has for you today. Now, here's Pastor Tony. It doesn't move me because I was like, well, what are you going to do? All you can do is talk a good talk. And the Bible says that the enemy has been disarmed or paralyzed, and so he really can't do anything but talk a good game. And if we buy into his talking or all his lies or his suggestions, then we open up the door for him to begin to wreak havoc in our life. The Bible also goes on to say this in 1 Peter chapter 5. It says, Be sober. Or be sober-minded, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Now, if you recall, I said last week, in talking about this, it is not to put us in a position of being in fear to think, oh, dear God, man, the devil's out to get me. Well, if you understand who you are, what Christ has done for you, you don't have to be afraid, because he's paralyzed, But notice what it says here. He says, be sober, be sober-minded, be vigilant or disciplined. He says, because your adversary, the devil, not your husband, your wife, not your mother, your father-in-law, but the enemy, he says, is like a roaring lion. There we go. He's making a lot of noise. He's making them sound so tough. But then it goes on to say, he's seeking whom he may devour. So that word may means this, it denotes opportunity of ability, an open door, an unopposed access, or the granting of permission. So that means that if he is looking for somebody that he can, means that he has been unopposed, or there's a door that's been opened, or there's been permission granted to him by something that we've done. Maybe it's ignorance for that matter. Or maybe it's sin. But there's things that we give place to the enemy to begin to mess with our life. And here's one of the things that we have to know about our adversary is that he is consistent and he is predictable. See, again, that's one of those things that we've got to really understand because when it comes to the enemy messing with us, he doesn't just hide around each corner and thinking, okay, I've got a new game this time. I'm going to get him good this time. and you're thinking oh dear god i didn't see that coming no the devil is predictable in everything in all that he does if you're spiritually in tune you can see him coming oftentimes in fact just look at some of your family members at times especially around the holidays right and you think (laughs) yeah You've been letting the devil chirp in your ear and you're getting all wound up right now. And yeah, you're just getting ready to start some mess here at the family dinner. Yep, here you go. Right? You can just see it coming. Or maybe it's in your physical body. Have you ever noticed that there's times when your physical body's like, oh man, I'm starting to feel bad. Well, how many of us just sit there and just wait and let it come? And then we've been sick for a week and a half and think, well, dear God, I think I ought to pray about that. And we, we've just let, let, the, let the enemy steamroll us, right? Rather than at the very beginning saying, oh, oh no, no, no. No, I, I'm feeling the symptoms, but you're going to stop right now. I thank God for the healing power of God that's working in my body right now. And we see in the ministry of Jesus where it says that, that the enemy came to him three different times. And so through that, we see that, number one, he is consistent, Number 2 he's predictable and he will continue to come at you from one side or the other right he's predictable and here's what we find over in 1 John chapter 2 starting in verse 15 it says don't let or it says do not let love the world or the things of the world if anyone loves the world the love of the father is not in him for all that is in the world the lust of the flesh the lust of the eye and the pride of life Is not of the Father but of the world, and the world is passing away in the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. So, as we see the ministry of Jesus and the enemy coming at Jesus with his temptations, we see those three things the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. And so, how the enemy comes at you is from two different angles. Number one, the lust of the flesh. Did you know that your flesh has an appetite, has desires? Absolutely. Sure it does. I mean, I mean, you just name it. I mean, it could be the opposite sex. It could be food. It could be uh, money. I mean, it, you name it. The flesh has its desires, right? And so the enemy comes and he starts to work on your flesh, man. Did you know that he can't work on your spirit, man? The reason being because if you're a child of God, you're a new creation in Christ. You've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his son. But secondly, there's the lust of the flesh. There's the lust of the eye. So what's the lust of the eye? He begins to work on your soul, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Therefore, you know, you begin to see something. And as you begin to see something, you begin to think about it. As you begin to think about it, you begin to crave it. And as you begin to crave it, the flesh starts saying, "I want that." And before you know it, you give in to the temptation, right? Does that make sense? And your soul and your flesh, if not given into the direction to follow God, they will begin to partner towards one another to where, again, your flesh and your emotions will hook up with one another, right? Uh, again, just, you could think of just a, a plethora of different things. You give in to the emotion of it. And again, just for the sake of an example, I don't know if you're like I am. I've discovered this through, through the years that I'm an emotional leader. I never would have thought that. But over the course of a period of time, you know, after being married for 20-some years, you know, I'm thinking, dear God, I just need something to eat. I need some comfort food right now. I just need some mashed potatoes and gravy, <laughs> you know. <laughs> There's this, there, that would be you. Oh, not because of you. You just make the mashed potatoes and gravy. That's right. You know what I'm talking about. You know, it's like you're, you're starting to to feel this, the, the heaviness of life. And you, maybe you're getting depressed or whatever it is. And you think, man, I just, I just want some comfort food. This makes me feel good. Right? So what does my body do? My body hooks up with my emotions. And I give in to that temptation. And I just start pigging out on stupid food. Right? And again, you can name whatever. But then it goes on to say, The pride of life. See, if you don't give place to, or I should say, if you give place to the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eye long enough, it will lead over into the pride of life to where you are unteachable. To where it's like, yeah, God, I hear you. I hear you're trying to get my attention, but I don't don't want you right now. I can do this without God right now. God, I don't need to hear that right now because I want to do this. And so that puts you in a dangerous place spiritually when you step over into the pride of life because you are now saying, God, I I reject you right now. I don't need you right now. I don't want you right now. I want to do my thing right now. Right? And once again, I can think back to so many times as a young man when you're just doing stupid stuff, going stupid places and hanging out with stupid people, and there's that scratching on the inside, and you're thinking, yeah, God, I know it. I shouldn't be here. I shouldn't be doing this right now. I shouldn't be with these people right now. But you say, oh, but I just want to right now. (laughs) Can you relate? And so once again, it puts you in a dangerous position spiritually. So therefore, we've got to understand or know that our adversary is working in those arenas. Come on, is this helping anybody? Come on, again, think about it from the standpoint of a husband and wife. Have you ever just... Had those thoughts rolling around in your head for a length of time. And before you know it, the thoughts start to fester and you just start getting more irritated. And before you know it, it was a little thing, but it's turned into a full-blown thing that's lasted for the last four days. Right? <laughs> Listen, I, I've got a wife, too. I understand it, brother. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> wait, <laughs> <laughs> wait. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. Come on, the enemy likes to bring division and schism, and he is the same every single time. Amen? Again, we could camp on that for a little bit, but we got some other things we want to talk to or talk about. So the Bible says this in Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. It says that we are redeemed from the curse of the law. The curse of the law is sickness and disease, poverty and lack, separation from God, hardship of life, and God says that what Jesus came to do has come to redeem us from the curse. So as a believer, we don't have to walk in this arena of life. How many of you can look at the body of Christ and say, man, the, the body of Christ is hurting? I mean, people are just limping and just barely getting by and struggling and marriages are just as bad in the church as it is outside the church. Well, why? Because we're letting the curse wreak havoc in our life. And through what the enemy is trying to do, is trying to get us to be positioned under that curse again, rather than being free from it. In fact, uh, back when I was at Bible school, uh, with some of the ministries that I was uh, working with at the time, uh, they had said, in fact, you you probably have seen on TV or know who he is, but Benny Hinn, you know who Benny Hinn is? And so back in the... uh, uh, in the uh, late 90s, his ministry was really just going to, to different cities and ministering to people and praying for the sick. And one of the things that he said is he said that, uh, or, or this minister I was talking to, said that Benny Hinn called the ministry or or, or Kenneth Hagin and said, you know, we are seeing probably... Uh, or seeing a good majority of people getting healed and set free in our services. But he said, the thing that really troubles me is that probably 90% of them lose their healing. And he says, why is that? And uh, Kenneth Hagin said to him, he says, number one, it's because they didn't know the word or they don't know how to stand on the word in faith. Secondly, They don't know how to stand in faith when the enemy comes and brings lying symptoms. And so if you remember, we said that our authority is transferred and conferred by words, right? That's how we function in this authority that God has given us. So when you see that God has done something in your life, in your body, in your mind, in your marriage, but then something contrary happens, one of the first things that we do is we end up saying, well, I guess it didn't work. I guess I'm sick again. I guess they're just being stupid again. I guess my marriage will never turn around. And so as a result, what we end up doing is we buy into the lie of the symptom that the enemy brings, and we engage our mouth with our words, and we refute or defute what God has already done, and we engage our authority through our words by saying, well, I guess I didn't get it. I guess my finances are going to stay this way. I guess my body is going to stay sick. I guess my mind is going to stay unclear. Whatever it might be, we engage our mouth and begin to side in with the enemy when he just simply brings a lying symptom. Does that make sense? Come on, I- I've been in that position before where it's like you're believing God for something and you're thinking, oh, well, praise the Lord, God answered that. But then you see a symptom come back around. think, well, what's up with that? Right? It's in that moment that I have an opportunity to say, nope. I choose not to to receive that. Or I could use my words incorrectly and hook up with the symptom. Amen? All right, so the Bible says this. It says that we overcome him or the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Well, what's your testimony? Your testimony is what God has done for us. Hold fast to that confession of faith. When the enemy comes with the symptom, no, I know what Jesus has did what he's done. Amen? In fact, let me share this scripture with you. I'm going to have you turn in your Bibles if you have them. Turn to Romans chapter 4, and as you're turning there, I'm going to read a scripture for you from Jeremiah. In Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 8, it says, Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, says the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand, and he touched my mouth, and the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my word in your mouth. See I of this day set thee over the nations of over the kingdom to root. Now look at, listen to these words. To root out, to pull down, to destroy, to throw down, to build, to plant. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And he said, I see a rod as an almond tree. Then said the Lord unto me, You have well seen, and I will hasten to my word to perform it. Now, breaking that down, first of all, notice what it says. It says that the Lord touched his mouth. Why did he touch his mouth? Because he wanted him to be able to speak correctly in what he was getting ready to show him. And then he says, what do you see? He says, this is what I see, Lord. And God said to him, you have well seen now, we're going to look at this in the in, in, uh, or an example in Romans, but all he was seeing was through the eyes of faith. How many of you know that sometimes reading the Bible, is like, man, I've got to believe that by faith. I've got to see that by faith. How many of you said, you know, I've received Christ into my life, but man, if you was to ask me right now, I don't feel real saved right now. Amen? As a pastor, there's times where it's just like, you know, you get bent out of shape, you think, you know... <laughs> person that's in front of you cuts you off or whatever I don't feel real safe right now I feel you know we might have to have a conversation here in just a minute right simply because of feelings but he says listen I want you to see correctly and then he says now that you've seen correctly I will begin to perform that which I've shown you all right so are you there in Romans chapter 4 Romans chapter 4 this Look at a New Testament scripture concerning that. Romans chapter 4, and this is the story concerning Abraham, starting in verse 13. And we're going to read a, a few verses here, but it says, For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through righteousness of faith. So notice he says it's by faith that Abraham is getting ready to receive. Verse 14, it says for if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made made void and the promise has no effect because the law brings about wrath for where there is no law there is no transgression. Verse 16, therefore it is of faith that it might be according to grace. That the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the, the law, but of those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Verse 17. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. Now, this is the promise that he was getting ready to tell him. He says... I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of him who believed God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did, who contrary to hope in hope believed so that he became the father uh, of many nations. According to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And you being weak or not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, and in an end, being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. So let's break that down. He says, Abraham... I've got a promise for you. He says, I have called you the father of many nations. Now, if you know the story, the Bible says that Sarah was barren in in her womb. So she was unable to have children. In fact, all these years they've been trying. We're trying to have a son. They're trying to have a son. And they just can't have a son. And now they've come to the, the, the age of their life where Abraham is 100 And she's still barren. But yet God says, I have called you the father of many nations. And then he says, now, you've got to do something with me and for me. You've got to see what I see. And you've got to say what I say. And so the Bible says, contrary to hope, Abraham believed. So in other words, contrary to hope means it don't look like it's possible. I don't know how this could even come to pass. But contrary to what I see, contrary to what I feel, God said, and if God said, I choose to believe. And if God saw me as the father of many nations, I'm going to choose to see what God sees. And the Bible says he became who God says he was. Amen? So what does that mean for us? God needs to touch your mouth. How does he touch your mouth? Through his word. And he's asking you, what do you see? Well, I see that my finances are just going through the, through the floor, and I'm just about ready to lose everything. All right, that's what you see. That is contrary to hope. But what did I say? What did I promise you? I don't know what you promised me, God. Then because of ignorance, the enemy has the opportunity to Mess with your life. The Bible says that He's our healer. So when you're having physical situations going on in your body, God says, What do you see? Well, I see that the doctor says I've got cancer, that I'm gonna die. He says, But no, that's the facts, but what's the truth? What's my promise? Will you choose to see that? And upon looking at what God has said and choosing to believe what God says, I can exercise my faith contrary to hope, and begin to see, God, I'm healed. And the enemy comes and says, oh, yeah? What do you feel? Lust of the flesh. What's your flesh feeling right now? I'm hurting. Lust of the eye. Well, what's the doctor say? Well, the doctor's report says that I'm terminal. And God says, what do I say? And what do you choose to see? Because if you'll see what I see and say what I say, I'll perform my promise for your life. You see, you're exercising your authority through your words in which you speak. When you side in with God and say what God says, you will have what God sees. Amen? Does that make sense? You're exercising your authority through the words in which you speak. Our words and God's word will always be contrary to the circumstance. Right? I remember when I was uh, wanting to, to work for General Motors, there was a time where they were hiring temporaries, and it was just for summer help and my dad had got me an application, and so I filled out the application, and before they even responded to me, I said to the Lord, I said, God, I said, I don't want a part-time job. I want a, f- a full-time permanent job. And I said, if this is not a permanent job, then don't let them call me. And so a few weeks later, they called me, had me come in and do some testing, and, and they hired me. And so in that Period of time, I continued to work my other job. So I was working about 80 hours a week, actually more than that. And finally one day got my attention. He said to me, he says, what are you doing? I said, well, what do you mean, what am I doing? He says, well, you're working this job and that job, and you're doing that other thing too. He says, why are you doing that? And I said, well, he says, didn't you ask me that if this was going to be a full-time job to allow them to call you, but if it was going to be a, just a part-time that let your name fall through the cracks? And I'm like, Yeah. So what are you doing? Like, well, I guess I just really wasn't trusting you, God. And so it was that day that I went in and I quit the one job that I had been working and worked solely for GM. Well, it came to my 120 days and they said, here's your pink slip. See you later. In that period of time, it didn't move me because it was the end of summer. And I thought, well, dear God, I got a few weeks of summer left. I'll enjoy unemployment and just have fun. But I know that I'm getting called back. And so then I used or expended all my unemployment. And finally, to the last week of unemployment, I said, okay, God. I said, I'm not in unbelief here, but I need work. I know that I'm getting called back into GM. I said, so I might as well go get some work right now. In the meantime, and I went and applied for a job. They hired me on the spot, said start Monday. I got home from that job, went to the mailbox, and my callback letter for GM was in the mail. So I had to call him back up and say, well, I won't be coming into work money because I'm going back to work for GM. What's my point? My point is, is that I knew what God had said. So therefore, contrary to hope, even though they gave me my pink slip, I saw that I was a full-time employee at GM because I knew what God said. Now, foolishly, I talked to certain people within the church that I was attending at the time and said, you know, I'm getting... Hired in the gym. Now, Tony, you know that they haven't hired since 1986, so don't get your hopes up. They just aren't going to hire you. This is and so, again, you've got to be careful who you share your faith with. You've got to get some faith buddies that will hook up with you and believe God with you, right? And so my point is, is that when we are standing in faith, holding on to the promises of God, it gives us the right to see what God sees, but we've also got to engage our authority through the words in which we speak. Because the enemy will come and try to talk you out of what God said was already yours. But we engage and activate our authority through our words. Notice what it says here in Matthew chapter 16. Matthew 16 says this, verse 18. It says, And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Now, notice what he says I'll give you the keys. So what do keys do? Keys give you access to something, right? It opens something. It unlocks something. He says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom. And here's what they do. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So how do you bind and how do you loose? Well, Remember what it said in Jeremiah when I touch your mouth? He says, you'll build up, you'll tear down. You'll bind why? Or how? Through the words in which you speak. Amen? In fact, let me just share this with you. Notice what it says over in Second Corinthians. Let me read it to you. I'll get there real quick. Second Corinthians chapter 10, I believe it is. In verse 3 it says, for though we Walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty in God. Okay, notice what it says He's given us weapons, these are not carnal or fleshly weapons, but they're mighty in God. Now, notice the next thing He says, They're mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, pulling down where. Or what are we pulling down? Those principalities and those powers that are trying to come against your life. Trying to stop the promises of God. Trying to wreak havoc in your life. Amen? Amen. For the sake of time, we will hold off on a couple verses here. Uh, There's ones that I've shared with you already. But more than anything, I want you to, uh, to, to bring your attention to Acts chapter 3 as we bring this to a close. The weapons that we have, one, are the authority that God has given us, the words in which we speak. But notice what something said or somebody said something that caused things to begin to change. In Acts chapter 3, starting in verse 1, it says, Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer in the ninth hour, and a certain man, or a certain man that was lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which call, was called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And he fixed his eyes on him, and John, uh, with John, and Peter said, Look at us. So he gave him his attention, expecting to receive something from them. And then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and his ankle bones received strength so that he began to leap. He stood up and he walked and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. What was it that he had? What was a weapon that he had? The name of Jesus. And in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Acts chapter 3, verse 16, as a result of what took place, it says this, And in his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong who you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. He says, through faith in the name. It's a weapon that you have. The name of Jesus. The Bible says that at the name, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. There is a confession that we have. It's the great confession, and it is Jesus is Lord. Amen? If you don't know anything, if you don't know anything about the Scripture, if you don't know chapter and verse, if you don't know what it said that Jesus came to do, but there's one thing that you do know, that I've got the name of Jesus, and Jesus is Lord, you can use that and exercise faith and exercise your authority in every circumstance and situation that you face. Amen. Amen. You're thinking, dear God, I don't know how to use my faith and use my authority when it comes to my finances. But one of the things that I do know is that Jesus is Lord in my finances. I don't know how to use chapter and verse. I don't know what the Bible says concerning my body. I know that he went to cross. I heard the preacher say that he's, he's healed our bodies. But one thing that I do know, that in my body, Jesus is Lord. Now, the doctor might say that cancer is trying to be Lord. But no, in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, it's above the name of cancer, and I declare that Jesus is Lord in my body. Amen. And cancer has to bow its knee to the name of Jesus. When it comes to division and schism within relationship and with marriages, you know, you can say, dear God, I don't know how God's going to turn this around. But one thing that I choose to believe that Jesus is Lord in my marriage. Jesus is Lord in the life of my kids. Jesus is Lord in my church. Jesus is Lord in my city. And God is going to do what God said he will do. Amen? And so what are you doing? You're exercising your authority through your voice and declaring the name of Jesus. You might say, well, what's so significant about that name? The Bible says that it's the name above every name. You say, well, I know somebody. His name was Jesus. And I didn't see anything happen. No, we're not talking about Jesus or the Hispanic friend that you might have. We're talking about Jesus. And Paul said, or excuse me, Peter said this, through faith in the name. So what do I know? That if I've got faith in that name, that name begins to move things in my life. And I can exercise my authority. Amen? When it comes to my mind, when it comes to this Emotions and feelings and depression or oppression, whatever it might be. I don't have to let that Lord over me. I don't have to let that rule me. No, Jesus is Lord. He is the Lord of my mind. Jesus is Lord over my emotions. Jesus is Lord over my body. And I exercise my authority. And when I have faith in that name, exercising my authority through my words, it has to bow. Amen? The last thing I'll share, I may have shared this with you before. It's understanding who we are in Christ, what Jesus did for us to redeem us back through the redemptive work and giving us that authority. Again, I I think I may have shared this with you before, but years ago, this is when I was a young man in my early 20s. Benny Hinn, you know, again, I followed a little bit after him when I was in my early 20s, and he would go around having crusades. And so I just, I love seeing God touch people's lives. Again, not talking about the man, I'm just talking about God. God showed up and blessed people. And so I just wanted to be around that and experience it and learn it. And so one of the things that I would do is that I would just sign up for choir. I'd get in the choir and, you know, sit behind the platform I had front row seats just because I was in the choir and I remember I think I was down in Indianapolis one time when he was sharing this story but he was talking about a young lady that was fearful of the Lord or excuse me fearful of the devil just had a tremendous fear of experiencing just an encounter with the devil and so she was tormented by this. And so one time she was praying, and she said as she was praying, she said, all of a sudden I looked up, and there's the devil standing right in front of me. And she goes, man, I was petrified. And she said, then all of a sudden I saw Jesus standing between me and the devil. And so instantly I'm thinking, well, Jesus showed up. woo And then she said Jesus started to back up away from the enemy and backing up towards her. And she's thinking, What is he doing? And he continues to back up and back up until he's standing. Jesus is standing right in front of her. And then he takes one more step and steps into her. And through her, he points at the devil and says, now bow. And the enemy bowed before her. The Bible says greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Jesus lives in you. And the moment you find out who you are and the weapons that you have to use and discover to use your voice and say and see what God sees, He will bow to you every single time. Amen? Why? Because of who you are in Christ. Amen? Amen. All right. Praise the Lord. Well, that's all I got for tonight. What would you learn? Anybody learn anything tonight?